All right, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Bible study on the beach. Who needs a church building, right? We're like, oh, we're looking for a church building. We need a church building. Hey, we pretty much have a church building, don't we? The outdoors is our church building. <laughs> All right, John chapter 2, and what we do in the church building is the same thing we do on the beach, same thing we do in homes, and that's study the Bible and worship God. It's about being relational, spiritual, and biblical. Keeping it simple. And that's what um, those of us who are part of the church, that's what it's all about. So studying the scripture, John chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 12. In each week we take a little bit of the, the chapter and we go through verse by verse. And see what God might say to us. And uh, just like the prophet um, Samuel, when he kept hearing hearing something when he when he was a boy he kept hearing something as he was sleeping and then he went to Eli it was Eli the priest wasn't it Bible college Gavin Eli okay <laughs> and um, the priest he kind of knew what was going on so he said that's the Lord speaking to you so whenever you hear that voice Samuel Samuel then you say speak Lord for your servant is listening so that's the attitude we have. All these hundreds and thousands of years later, the voice of the Lord wants to speak to us by his word and through his Holy Spirit. And then we're here, even if we're on the beach, we're saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Sound good? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were there set six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now, he said. Verse 11. And this is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Okay. Pretty famous miracle. In fact, it's the first miracle of Jesus where he turns water into wine. And this is the, the, the telling of it. There's some things in here I think that could apply to us as well. Remember at the beginning we're saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's some things in here that can apply to us as well. 
On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. The first thing I want to look at is in verse 2. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. I want you to think about that for a second, because every little part of the Bible is important. And sometimes we kind of skip over these things without really thinking about them. That's, and that's my job as a pastor, and our job as we set these few minutes aside is to really think about what it's saying. And, and what helps me too is to put myself there, to imagine being there in that. I mean, it's hard to do it because our culture is so much different than theirs. Our life is so much more modern 2,000 years later. You know, but to try to imagine being in the, in the environment that they were in. But what it says in verse 2 is that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And right away, what, what speaks to me is this. Christians today are supposed to be Christ-like. Christian means like Christ. And a lot of Christians, we are living our lives. We go to church on the beach or in the building on Sunday or on Thursday. And, uh, but yet we live our lives in the community and we, we have relationships. And, you know, we have... We have an ability, and we should have an ability, to impact this world for the gospel and for Christ. And for some people, this was myself, this is why I'm talking about it, think that that means being as obnoxious as we can with the truth, beating people over the head and, you know, kind of blasting, guns blazing as Christians. Of course, we know the truth. The truth has set us free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We, we, we've found the truth. But Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. What does that mean? They were actually likable people. <laughs> right? You don't invite someone if you don't like them. Unless it was like a, you know, a political thing, obviously. But, you know, you come up with your, we just had a wedding. And if you weren't invited, no offense, sometimes you just don't get invited because um, there's, there's not enough money to pay for you to be there. <laughs> or space. But you know the ones that are invited, they're there because, you know, they, they wanted them to be there. Jesus and his disciples were people that, even unbelievers wanted them to be, wanted to be around them. You know that from the Gospels. In fact, the Pharisees, that's one of the biggest problems they had with Jesus because the sinners wanted to be with him. Are we living a life as Christians that even as we live for the truth, Jesus never denied the truth, but as we live for the truth, people are attracted to our lives, how we live, who we are, I want Josiah to come to this party or that place or whatever. You understand? Four things. I'm gonna, I am going to give you something solid to take from this passage, these 12 verses. Four things. The point of this, this message or this passage really is God at work. You shouldn't, do you raise, you raise your hands in church. The pastor says, raise your hand and then you, people, you don't have to raise your hand on the beach though. Just relax. But if I said, if you want, raise your hand if you want God to work 
in your life, in your circumstances, we would, I think we would all raise our hands. You want to do it? No, I didn't ask it yet. Do you want God to work in your life? Raise your hand. Two hands. Double. We do. We believe that God does the miraculous today. This was the first miracle, so this is God working, not just working, but working miraculously. How many of you know that some things in life need God's miracles or else they're not going to happen? So we want that. This is, the, this is a story about that. Four things. Principles, I, I will call it. Number one, from verses one and two, and also verse 10, the working of God, the miraculous working of God, he, his uh, purpose for working in our lives is to bring joy into our lives. In fact, the Bible says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. So when God is there working, there's joy. Celebration. What, was, what did the wet wedding represent? Celebration. In fact, in biblical symbolism, we won't go too in-depth. This is the beach after all. Symbolically, wine represents joy in the Bible. So what is this miracle really saying? It's saying that when God works miraculously, it's to enhance the joy that you have in life in a relationship with him. Another thing Christians get accused of sometimes is being, um, you know, I don't want to become a Christian because I won't have any fun anymore. I think most of us here, I don't know all of you, but for myself, and I think most of us, we can say, We've been a non-Christian and we've been a Christian. And the kind of happiness you search for without Christ is empty and meaningless and temporary. The kind of happiness or joy that we have with Christ is permanent, satisfying, and uh, another word. What's another one? I almost said abiding, but that's the same as permanent. You get the point. <laughs> Number two, verse three. So we want to see God working. His working is to bring joy and not sorrow. I have come to give them life and that more abundantly. Don't get confused and think that God, if God starts to work in your life, your life is going to get worse. Your circumstances may become more difficult. All right, I'm not here teaching that message. Because some people, when they accept Christ, they, they start to have problems circumstantially, but internally and mentally, they get, they're going up. It's getting better. Number two, we want to see God working, the miraculous. Verse three and four, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Why did, why did Mary, the mother of Jesus, say to her son, Jesus, they have no wine. Why did she say that to him? What do you think? The what? He could fix it. She knew. He could fix it. Now, you, you may have, if you've been a Christian for any number of years, or gone to a wedding for that matter, because this is a popular wedding passage, you probably heard that in that culture, even more than ours, to run out of food or wine 
at a celebration like this. It wasn't just a one-hour thing. This was like a week-long thing. So they were, the Jewish people, back in that day especially, they knew how to celebrate. To run out of wine at a thing like this was incredibly embarrassing, to say the least. And obviously Mary cared about this. Who, who got married? We don't know. Who was this the master of the feast? Don't know. But they had a real problem. They don't have joy in their life. They have a real problem. <laughs> we could say that about some people, right? They have no they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, "Woman, now that the translation is a little bit off into English. It's not a offensive thing like, "Woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So here's the point. The timing of Jesus when he was going to start his ministry or um, be, fulfill what God the Father has sent him to fulfill, do the miraculous, work in their lives, fulfill his purpose. The point is that God's timing, the timing of Jesus, was different than Mary's timing. That's what he said, isn't it? My time has not, my hour has not yet come. You're trying to, now see if this sounds familiar for anybody. You're trying to get me to do something that it's not time for me to do. Don't raise your hand for this one, but how many of you are impatient? <laughs> the what? Patience is hard. Yeah, you said it. You knew what I was going to say. You were so impatient. But this is the reality, especially when life turns up the heat, when things get tough. God, where are you? I need you now. The wine is gone now. The joy is gone now. The problem is now. Where are you? Mary and Martha, I'm getting ahead of myself, John chapter 11. Lazarus is sick unto death. If you don't come and heal him, now he will die. What did he say to the disciples? Let's wait a couple more days. <laughs> I've got some... This, isn't, this is kind of bad... Not bad news, it's good news, but it may be news that you may not want to hear tonight. God may be waiting a couple more days to help out. To do what needs to be done. How, all the leadership were like, we need a church building now. <laughs> How about January 1st? <laughs> no, we need it now. Okay, it's his timing, not ours. You want God to work in your life? You've got to go according to his timetable. Are you willing to do it? God is not your servant. You are God's servant. God is not here to meet your needs. You're here. I'm here to meet his needs. Did you understand that? God loves you and wants your life to be full of joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment through relationship with him. But it's going to come his way, not yours, not mine. And I think... I speak for myself, probably most of us, we've, I see a few of us, we've learned this the hard way before. <laughs> Have you ever learned that the hard way? God's timing, not ours.
So he's really explaining to her this. It's not going to happen like you want it. What What was she really saying? Uh, display yourself to the nation as the Messiah, the King who has prophesied throughout all of Scripture. Now is the time. We're ready. My time has not yet come. But go get the water pots. We can have some wine in the meantime. <laughs> Number two, his timing is not ours. Number one, joy in life. Number three, in verse five, this is important. We want to remember this is all about seeing God working miraculously. That's what we want. Number three, a principle of three of four. His mother said to the servants, and here's the key for us tonight. Whatever he says to you, do it. So she still has this little hope like he's going to do something. He may not reveal himself as the king of Israel at this moment. His time had not yet come. But whatever he says, do it. That means he works miraculously in our life with our cooperation. Our cooperation. Because a lot of people, I was like this at one point, you kind of sit back and say, I've prayed, you know, God, God's going to do it. And, you know, and you kind of feel like you can just take a back seat and just be lazy about it. Not at all. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, including the miraculous work. But the point is he's working in you and through you. In fact, uh, it was Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, who said, um, I'm going, God said to, he felt like God said to him, I'm going to evangelize the world and I'll do it through you if you'll let me. To Hudson Taylor. God wants to do something. Our cooperation, whatever he says to you, do it and they took the water pots that were there already 20 or 30 gallons a piece large party it seems like Jesus said to them fill the water pots with water they filled them to the brim listen this third principle our cooperation Jesus could have done it himself right he didn't need them to put do anything he could have just it could have just appeared magically Supernat let's say supernaturally. <laughs> he did use the people that were there. He will use us who are here in cooperation. In fact, um, the Bible says in the book of 1st or 2nd Corinthians that we are God's fellow workers. His fellow, you know what that means? We're working together with God. That's pretty cool. Go to work. Who you meet your new coworker? The Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. And guess what? He does all the work. We just do we just there with him. Through us and in us. Number 4. So they draw the water, they put it in the the um pots. They give it to the 
the master of the feast, verse 10, everybody sets out good wine, and then when the guests have well drunk, the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. So as you can imagine, remember, we're putting ourselves in the situation, and the party's going on, and the days have passed, and the, you put out the best at the beginning. You want to have that great first impression. And then after they've had some of the wine for a while, then you can put out the cheaper stuff, and no one will notice. <laughs> Is basically what it's saying. And then he says, but you put out the best now. And this is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana. So verse 11 is our number four point. Almost done here. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. All right, this is going to, this. it's just going to be very brief, but it's a deep, deep question, an important question. Because God wants to work miraculously in our life to bring us joy, fullness of joy. Um, he wants to work miraculously in our life according to his timing and not ours. Works miraculously in our life with our cooperation. He wants to work with us and through us. But really, why is God doing all these things? We know, it's, we know it brings us joy. We know he loves us. Right? But there's actually a deeper and more important reason why God will display his miraculous work in our lives. You know what that is? It's the same reason he did there. This, that, verse 11 is a summary of what happened. The result of it. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Here's why. To display his glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the Bible says um, the excellency of the glory should be of God and not of us. So even when someone sees your life and something Amazing has happened to you. Water he turned into wine. Oh man, that would have been the song, huh? Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, nah. Lazarus. Do you know why he waited? He waited so Lazarus would die. <laughs> Do you know why he waited till Lazarus died? So that the glory of God will be seen in Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. So here's the thing. A miraculous working of God, and I think this is the, the key that a lot of people miss, a lot of Christians, and I've missed for a, long, a, lot, a lot of years. If you want to see the miraculous working of God, the end goal is God and not you. Is God and not us. For his glory. For his purpose. And when his glory is revealed, the Bible says his, his disciples believed in him. When God works in our lives, people believe in our God. Sound good? Look what it says in John 20, verse 31. These are written, so the book of John is actually written these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you will have life in his name.
God wants you to be blessed, to have joy, to participate in what he's doing. But ultimately, it's for a greater purpose. It's for God's glory, which will extend into the world so that others may believe in him. Sounds like a pretty good plan, right? All that from a wedding at Cana of Galilee. They were just trying to have a good time, celebrate, and God does something special to teach us what he wants to do in our lives too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much again for your, uh, your power, your power to do anything. The, the elements of this world, the water, the wine, the wind, the waves, even life and death, bow down to your power. You have control over everything. In him we live and move and have our being. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be open and obedient to the work you want to do in our lives and the timing in which you want to do it. In Jesus' name we pray.